It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check, check it out. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the solar panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey, good morning, Suns fans. Welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel. Uh, This morning, we're going with the 9 a.m. time slot, so I'm glad people picked up on that and are joining us. Uh, Love to uh, have you guys participate in the chat this morning. We're going to make this a good live show, a recap of the Phoenix Suns' first five games in which for some odd reason, they look like the team we've watched the last two seasons. Instead of The Walking Dead, we kind of half expected to see. Joining me today and, and making comments on this team that we uh, weren't sure what we were going to find this season. Uh, joining me is, first of all, my primary main partner who's been with me 99% of the time uh, in the last year and a half is Zona Hoops. How's it going, man? Not too bad. Uh, just just wondering where all those vibe analysts are at, you know, preseason with those crazy takes. Uh, looks like the oh, vibe even through the fine. first half of the Dallas game, there was a lot of vibe yes. analysts out there on Twitter, and those same ones have gone a little quiet. And, yeah, I don't have a PhD in vibes, but I think that everything looks pretty fine right now. So, uh, yeah, doing well, four and one, great start to the season. Yeah, and also joining us on the panel this morning, Jake, a.k.a. Fallen Founder. How's it going, man? Ooh, you see that scorching hot start by the Phoenix Suns? Careful, it's so bright, it just might blind you if you look too close. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Also, I do hope we can talk about playing two bigs together very early on, Dave, because I need a little bit of a wake-up this morning, and uh, if we can get you going early, that'll help me out. I think I'm losing the argument. Well, so far I'm winning the argument because the Suns have done nothing, but I think I'm losing the argument in the court of public opinion. I was just DMing with Mark Schindler, who's a really good uh, basketball analyst, and we're going to get him on the next week or two on the show to talk about the Suns. And he's like, love love everything I see, love everything I see, except the one hole is a large human to play next to deandre ayton to grab more rebounds i'm like oh my god maybe i won't have this dude on the show (laughs) he knows what he's talking about but maybe he doesn't no i'm just kidding mark we're gonna have you on really soon um but anyway i'm so far the winner because the Suns have done nothing on that end so i get to watch guys like cam johnson be a bowling pin and and mikhail bridges um you know, snake himself around and, and sometimes be the actually Damian Lee played power forward a little bit last night. And I just had to smile a little bit. All right. So uh, let's get this show started. We got four quarters 
of things to talk about. We always have a four-quarter show. In our first quarter, first we're going to do a quick recap of what's happened. And I don't want to wear everybody out with my voice. So actually, you know what? We never do this. We're going to do this today. Jake, you've got the show notes in front of you. Mm-hmm. Give us a recap of the Suns' first five games. Ooh, all right. Well, uh, an opening spectacular comeback win over Dallas after being down substantial amounts, which I then took um, Sun's money line at halftime. Uh, so that's right. Uh, remember uh, your betting apps, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and then uh, a tough DraftKings. DraftKings Draft promo code TBPN. <laughs> Download the DraftKings app. Man, Jake, that was a nice drop there. Well, Download the DraftKings app. New. New uh, uh, customers can use promo code TBPN and get two hundred bucks in free bets. Boom! It's not quite the um, it's not quite the uh, uh, manscape ad that you used to do, Dave. But uh, we'll we'll play through that one. That was that was a thing of beauty. Uh, (laughs) I have no idea why we never sold anything. Yes, but uh, two uh, tough two point uh, overtime uh, uh, loss in Portland, which um, I think uh, a lot of Suns fans, which not a shock, but we're saying some very questionable calls in that one. Uh, and we were seeing that up until recently, the Blazers were undefeated, so they kind of got off to a hot start. Um, we undefeated wrecked... until Dame Lillard went down, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we we wrecked uh, uh, Operation Load Management, uh, aka the LA Clippers, one twelve to ninety five. Very impressive. That was in LA. Uh, and then the defending champs, uh, we helped uh, Clay Thompson uh, experience the locker rooms early for his first time in his career. That had to be a very fun time for him to kind of see what goes on back there when not everyone else is with him. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, shorthanded uh, Pelicans, which we also became shorthanded uh, during the game, and we still pulled it off. So, wow, I, uh, yeah, are, am I starting to get a little excited about this bench too? I mean, uh, I, I was, ner- I believe the last episode I was on, I was like, oh, clearly that's the biggest concern. It might still be, but I was very impressed with how they handled things uh, last night. So and that's what do the you recap, think? right? That great recap, <laughs> yeah. man. Okay. Well, well done. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. The bench has been awesome. And that's been a, the hugest surprise to me. Uh, just the resurgence of Payne and, and Torrey Craig just being serviceable again is huge, uh, especially with Crowder out. They needed Craig to step up, and he's been awesome. So he's remembered how to shoot. And just the way he attacks, like, the offensive rebounds, is, like, that's exactly what the Suns need right now. So, um, you know, if, if this bench can sustain this or even some, like, 75% of this, then they're going to be just fine. Yeah, um, you've got uh, Ted Lubin saying that campaign turning back the clock. Fortunately, two years, not one. Yeah, you know, it's like one of those old-timey um, time machine shows where you know, I have no idea where you're going to land. You just kind of get into a time warp. Luckily, Cam dropped into 2021, spring of 2021, and Hopefully he never he never hits his little watch again to change his time because that's the only that's the best period of his career and he's back to that. He's playing really, really good. And that whole bench unit is is really excellent. That whole bench unit is is fun to watch because you know what I'm I've been noticing, especially on Friday night against the Clippers, because DeAndre Ayton went out after eight minutes with a rolled ankle. And um, you know, you've got uh 
Devin Booker had his worst shooting night of the season. And Chris Paul is still being just the, um, I'm chilling, watching everything. And then I'm just going to make some cool passes and then the game will be over. Um, he's in that mode right now. Uh, you really need the bench to step up. And what I've noticed is this bench makes me think of the bench from two years ago. I know you've got Keiko mentioning in the chat that maybe it's the 2010 bench. That's a long time ago. You're, you're right. That 2010 bench also sometimes with led by young Goran Dragic at 22 year old uh, Goran Dragic and, and uh, Jared Dudley and Cam, uh, no Channing Fry and guys like that. That was great to watch, but even more recently that 2020, 2021 bench, if you guys remember the starters were still trying to gel with the new Chris Paul addition to the team. And they were uh, regularly needing the bench to get them leads. And that's exactly what happened on Friday night. The bench got the Suns the lead in the first half. And then the Suns stretch out the lead into a 10 point lead in the second half. I love watching that. Two of the characters are the same. Um, at least Tory Craig for half that season, that, that season, and then campaign for that whole season. And the rest is kind of changed up, but it's the same feel. They bust their ass on every play. Well, and there's a confidence about it, right? I mean, I think last year we saw Landry Shamit kind of, uh, he'd go through a couple of droughts and then he'd start hesitating on his shots. Uh, Campaign would kind of do that old Stephon Marbury drive to the basket and just toss it up and hope it dropped in uh, the old uh, teardrops, but his are much uglier. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, oh my gosh, last night um, Landry, look like mr fundamentals i don't know if you guys remember the the play but uh, uh jonas uh with the pelicans he he was on him right at the basket pump fake got him jumping out of the uh, arena and just uh, reverse laid it in i mean it was like whoa landry you had that in your game i just thought you drive flail complain you didn't you know, get a call all and... last season landry shaman didn't juke a single player once yeah never it was so good he to had see. A straight line to he, the basket, or he passed it off. That was it. He juked out two guys on the same play last night, doubling his output for the last year <laughs> since he signed with since he signed that contract with the Suns. Yeah, and uh, my I would, favorite. Oh, uh, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say my favorite early season stat so far. Just like we all predicted, uh, Jock Landale is averaging more points per game than Chris Paul. Um, that's just <laughs> hilarious to me. And, I had to point that one out, but I'll, I'll let you continue on your what you were talking about, Jake. Oh, no. So, I mean, it's just the confidence level, right? Campaign, Shamit. Um, when I, I was very nervous that this was going to be a team that as soon as the starters come off, we're all going to like hold your breath, see how long you can hold it because the lead is going to start to come back down. Mm-hmm. And, and Booker's going to have to run out and have to go play hero ball, you know, 38, 42 minutes a game to try and get the lead back up. And I was wondering, oh, gosh, we're going to need that next guy that can go out and make a basket. This bench unit, you know, campaign usually uh, it's it's kind of him and his reactions that kind of let me know how much fun they're having as a unit. And they're coming in and they're having fun. Like Lee takes those shots and I think they're going in. Shamit all of a sudden might actually have me thinking he can make baskets. Jock Landell, I thought, was really going to be a poor man's Frank Kaminsky. And I think he has largely surpassed Rich um, expectations. Yes. <laughs> Frank Frank is a poor jock. He's a poor jock. Oh, Frank the poor jock. That's a that's a good nickname. Um, yeah, Frank. I haven't checked on how he's doing in Atlanta. I I love Frank. Great guy. Really great guy to have on the sidelines and all that. But I prefer Jock Landale. Um, jock seems like and and uh, 
Keiko, you're right. I forgot uh, Lou Amundsen from that 2010 bench group. Yes, um, like Lou. Basically, Jock Landale <clears throat> is so far the best version of every uh, hyperactive, uh, pale-skinned forward <laughs> center that the Suns have employed off the bench. I mean, you've got a lot of those. <laughs> um, but he is he's definitely the best of them so far. I love it. And what's What's just incredible is that he was cast off by not only the Spurs, but also the Hawks in the offseason as a as just an extra guy. He was included uh, by the Spurs, sending him in in that um, DeJunte Murray deal to make salaries match, whereas most of his um, uh, contract is non-guaranteed. In fact, they to make the uh, to make the deal work. You have to trade enough guaranteed salary, not just non-guaranteed, I guess. And Jock got increased to a $47,000 guarantee. I mean, I feel like I worked for the state of Arizona, so my job was almost guaranteed. I feel like I have more guaranteed salary than Jock Landale. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But he's obviously, he'll he'll exceed that. Uh, He's probably already exceeded it because those guys make so much money, even at minimum wage per game, per day. He gets a per diem, so he's made more than that. But his his minimum guarantee was only $47,000, and he got traded twice in the offseason, and the Suns have now found a gem of that dude. Because not only is he great, like on, he's got great hands around the basket, great touch, finishing. Um, he, he actually plays pretty good defense. I mean, I thought Jonas Valanciunas was just going to body him and that's and and so did Monty that's why he played Bismack Biombo from pulled him out of the grave and and put him up for 30 30 minutes again in one of these games that I, I Bismack we have to talk about him in a little bit but Jake Landale or Jock Landale Jake uh Jock Landale actually held his own against Jonas and Jonas I thought was going to dominate the Suns with 20 second half rebounds after Aiden went down uh, so let's give a quick recap of why we're talking about Landale and why I want to talk about Bismack. DeAndre Ayton came up lame again. He landed on, after taking a jumper, he, his foot landed on Jonas Valanciunas in a way that probably should have been a foul. They're supposed to call those fouls, but for some reason it's only a foul if the dude shooting lands on your foot outside the three-point line. But inside the three-point line, anything can happen. It happened with Devin Booker last week. It's Now it's happened with DeAndre Ayton. It also happened to Mikel Bridges in the first half, too, but he shook it off. He was able to play through it. The dude's got something in his veins. I don't know what it is. Even he laughs about it, how quick he heals. Uh, but DeAndre Ayton did not heal. He, he finished with eight minutes played, didn't come back out from the bench the rest of the game, although he did walk out under his own power without a boot, I believe, at the end um, after the game is over. But we know the Suns' track record. When do you guys think? Put your hand. What, what's your prediction on the next time we're going to see DeAndre Ayton play a game, even if it's day to day, with an ankle issue? Zona. Uh, you know these injuries. I feel like they're not going to say anything. First of all, they're, like they're going to give us bare minimum information uh, per usual, and I think he's going to be out for like probably a week. I would say he'll miss like anywhere from three to four games. Um, and in those three to four games, we're going to get all the hot takes that Jock should start or Bismack should start and take eight in spot. Like we, we did this last year with Frank and, and yeah. Dario closing games. Oh, and, God, don't give me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Frank definitely stepping in. Okay. I thought you were going to talk yeah. about Frank's injury recovery time. Don't. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I think, I think yeah, this is like a one to two week type deal. Um, you know, I think he'll be back soon. They'll probably be a little cautious with him. He was 
with bigs, you don't want to rush them too quick with anything like foot, like ankle or foot related. Yep. You don't want to rush them back. So right. I because they compensate. That. That's what happens exactly. is, is uh, you that compensate. causes other injuries yep. or potentially. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm guessing two weeks. I'm guessing two calendar weeks, which is three to five games. Um, this, this is too early in the season. Like uh, Damian Lillard the other night. And the Suns are not alone, guys. Damian Lillard the other night, he he pulled his calf muscle a little bit after scoring 40-plus in back-to-back games to help Portland get to 4-0 and on the season. He pulls his calf. He sits out the rest of the game. After the game, he goes, ah, barely even hurts. I'm sure I'll be fine. Now the next injury report is one to two weeks. They're going to reevaluate him. It's too early in the season to care about how many handful of games a guy's going to miss, especially the way it's so early in the season. Why is it? Why does it not matter? Because other teams are also sitting their guys with minor injuries because they don't want it to be season long things. So look at, you're probably not going to see Aiden for two weeks and that's okay. The only thing that's not, the only person in the world is not really okay with, Four is Aiden himself because it happened a year ago when Aiden got hurt and he missed almost the entire month of December. When Aiden got hurt, I remember listening to um, uh, one of those national pods. It might have been the Dunker spot. Yeah, it was the Dunker spot. And Nikias Duncan said, you know who's on the outside um, on the edge of potentially making the all-star game because of uh, injuries to like Anthony Davis and guys like that? He said DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton might have been an all-star reserve through the through early December of last year. But then he missed most of December with Nixon and, and uh, cr- nooks and crannies, as, as we say. Um, and then he was totally out of the, uh, the conversation. If this happens again, and he also had that 25-game suspension in year two, he's always missed early season time. And every time, what that does is it just takes you out of thoughts. Nobody's thinking about you for all-star reserve consideration. The coaches don't have to play against you. I guarantee you the DA we saw the first week of the season is a DA that every coach has to scheme against because of the way he's being included in the offense in both halves, right? That was a new development that they're actually scheming for him uh, offensively in the second half of these games. Coaches pick reserves and they pick the guys that they have to struggle to beat and to scheme against and 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 you have to come up with a defensive scheme to stop the guy da was becoming that guy now hell if he misses a few weeks he might be out of the conversation again so i feel like he uh the only guy the only person that hurts is da but that's okay he probably doesn't care i mean he does care but in the big scheme of things he's gonna want to he's gonna want to play um uh, as many games as possible. Long John Silver, Dario should have gotten at least a minute. So let's talk about the backup bigs. You got Jock Landale, who is like the best possible combination so far of a Frank Kaminsky plus Lou Amundsen plus even Aaron Baines. I mean, he's been great as the backup center, and he deserves every minute he's getting. He's done nothing to make the Suns feel like he can't play all the backup center minutes. Then when DA goes out, you need somebody with a little bit of size and a little bit of speed and a little bit of, I mean, the ability to rise from the dead and play like you've been playing full full time for weeks, which is Bismack Biombo. He ha- they had to have that. So who's the guy? Who's the odd man out? And Biombo, by the way, had a double double on Friday night. He played amazing. Points, Thirteen rebounds. Played amazing. Um, guess who doesn't get off the bench? 
Dario Sarge. I do feel a little bad for Dario. Yeah, and this takes me back to uh, that piece I wrote on Brad's side just about how good I felt about the Suns' big man rotation heading into Mm -hmm. the season. Like, uh, losing McGee, to me, was really – Bismack can fill that role pretty easily, and Dallas fans already are uh, not too happy with that McGee contract early on. Just a quick update on on how they're feeling about that. uh, that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. JaVale McGee is getting owned, by the way, defensively because he's great at the rim. But he's not so great anywhere outside the three foot mark. <laughs> it's an experience. Yeah. We know that by now. It's a, it's a roller coaster ride with him. But, uh, but yeah, Bismack filling in for that role. And then you have Jock basically taking what Frank's role was last season. And Dario's just kind of the odd man out right now. But I think he'll get his chance. Like, you know, it's a long season. DA's probably going to miss some time now, too. So I'm sure he'll get an opportunity at some point and they'll need him. But I, I love our big man rotation right now. I think it's, um, you know, obviously, Aiden has to be healthy for it to be at full strength, but uh, it's just they have the perfect perfect amount of depth and like versatility. Man, I love it. I love it that everybody wants to free Dario and all that. I hope you all don't think it's like a conspiracy theory of some sort that he's being held back. He's just getting outplayed. Sorry, guys. It just is. Now, if there's another injury, the Suns have the deepest center rotation, as you say, Zona. Dario can step in and he'll be effective. In fact, the the bench unit that I'm 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 reminded of is the one two years ago that was led by Dario and uh, and campaign two years ago with Tory Craig in the second half of that season. I do <laughs> we do think that Sundress. Yeah, okay. It's no conspiracy, man. He's just getting beaten out. Um that that Dario is an effective player. Absolutely. But so are Biz, and so is Jock Landale. And in fact, uh, Jock is is playing really, really well. Uh, you guys, the Suns are, and Zona put this in our show notes, and we haven't mentioned it yet. If you look at NBA.com, that's where you got the ratings, right? NBA.com? Yeah. Uh, Suns are fourth in offense, fourth in defense. Yes, it's only been five games. Someone's got a... Um, a drone flying overhead or something. Uh, fourth in offense, fourth in defense, first in net rating. They're the only team after five games who um, are both top top five in both offense and defense. Guess what? Kind of reminds me of last year. Kind of reminds me of the year before last. In fact, just a week and a half after we thought we might see the walking dead out there, and then they showed it to us in the first half of the Dallas game, looking like the walking dead, this Phoenix Suns team. Is it possible that this is the best Suns version yet, or is it not possible? Zona, you first. I think it's possible, um, but a lot of that hinges on what version of Mikel and DA we get and Cam, all all these young guys, and Booker, of course, as well. Because if we get their best versions and they really take a leap this season, then I think their ceiling is a little bit higher than it was, even with that, you know, NBA Finals team and a 64-win team, it feels crazy to say. Uh, but I think the ceiling is higher if, if those young guys really can continue to, to grow. And, uh, you know, most of them are either just hitting their prime or not even in their prime yet. So I don't think it's a crazy statement at all. <laughs> we keep hearing all this noise uh, coming off. Yeah, of the- <laughs> He's got They're coming dogs. to get me, clearly. He's They've sent birds. the dogs and the drones. This is bad, man. You got, I, yeah, put on the... I, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> let me, keep going. I'm going to close the window. 
<laughs> now he's gonna get all hot and we're gonna see him sweating. Oh, just my see gosh, him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, yeah. So it's um look, you're right. It does depend on how these guys continue playing, and it's only been a small sample size. I totally get it. But this is the best we've seen of DA. This is the best we've seen of Mikel. I think Mikel has been fabulous this year. On Friday, he was great offensively. Earlier, the rest of the season has been great rebounding, which he hadn't been doing before. He was averaging seven rebounds a game coming into Friday night. Um, it's it's just, I didn't know it was so wild in Iowa. So says Jay. He's in the jungle. Right. <laughs> He's not in Iowa anymore. You're not in Iowa anymore. Um, yeah, that's it. It's interesting because we could be seeing the best of Devin Booker, which who we haven't even talked about yet. Um, and while Chris Paul might be uh, declining a little bit, he's declining in a in a very healthy way, like in a way that allows other guys to to shine and grow that need to shine and grow. And then the bench, this bench, we thought this might be the worst bench the Suns have had in a long time. And it's quite possible right now anyway, they're playing like the best. Not saying they will for 82 games, but they're playing like the best bench we've seen in a couple of years. Yeah, and going back to what you said about Mikhail, 27 points. He was everywhere uh, on defense, just a real pain in the ass for the Pelicans. And whenever he's that active offensively, too, with all the cutting and finishing, like he had that one where uh, I think I think it was Payne passed it to him on a cut, and he just flipped it up right over Valanciunas. Like that, that yeah. finish was insane. Like if, if we can get that out of him consistently and like, it doesn't have to be every night with him on offense, but if we can get that more frequently, like, you know, we're going to start talking about Mikel as an all-star here pretty soon. Uh, yeah, Mikel, the problem with all-star, the problem with, I mean, the reason Mikel quote unquote only got $21 million a year compared to offensive players like Jordan Poole getting 35 million a year and Tyler Hero getting 32 million a year points is the shooting yeah. points per game and Mikel's never going to lead you in points per game he's going to average 12 to 14 a game young Scotty uh Darth Boyda puts in the puts in the show no um in the in the comments um yeah no it's 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 definitely a do it all guy i i think he's almost not quite. I was talking to a friend of mine last night. It's like similar to impact wise to a Sean Marion from the seven seconds or less. Obviously he doesn't put up the counting stats and that's what got Sean Marion into the all-star games for several years was because he had 20 points a night and not just uh, the 12 that Mikel does. So it's okay. Mikel doesn't need to be an all-star. He's under the sun contract with the Suns for four more years at least he is pretty damn good, and he doesn't he doesn't look like he ever wants to leave. No, he's, he's doing great. Um, but is he an all-star as far as, like, the, one of the best teammates in the league and every team would want him as a starter on their team, one of their top three or four players? Absolutely. And that's been great. Uh, so best of DA, best of Mikel, best of Booker, potentially, potentially best of Cam Johnson. I mean, this has been a great start to the season. We predicted how the Suns were going to be this next week, like this past week. And the feeling was probably 0-3 if we're lucky 1-2. And, and the Suns went 3-0. and They beat all the teams. So we've got to be feeling good about it. It's okay to be feeling good about this team right now. They'll probably go through slumps. But I think one thing we know for sure is that this is the same team we've seen the last two years. And they probably are going to finish with the top 
two or three records in the West. Um, let's take a second to actually talk about the, uh, the best player on the Phoenix Suns. And he wasn't that impressive on Friday night, but he has been incredibly impressive this season. Devin Booker. What's the one thing that stands out to you that's different with Devin Booker this year um, that, that, makes a, that makes him maybe more of a threat and more, more of a challenge for, for defenders? Jake. I, for me, I think it's that he's more consistent. I felt like last year it was, okay, I'm going to go off in the first, and then when you guys need me back in the fourth, I'm going to try and close out the game because I want to push you guys to, to do it in the second and the third. Um, because they finally realized, hey, Chris Paul shouldn't have to dribble it up every single time. Uh, Mikhail and uh, Booker can actually do that. Um, I think you're seeing a lot more kind of – he, he might not get the assist and he might not get the basket, but a, a lot of it is being run through him to start the plays. Um, or he's he's almost always getting to touch it in any offensive possession. So I think there's a consistency uh, to him uh, that is kind of – it's he's a threat to do something every time he's on the court, which is – Kind of that. I mean, he. Uh, a lot of people know about you know his connection with uh, with Kobe and the be legendary uh, type uh, mentality he's got, and uh, and I think that's that was kind of Kobe's game, right? A lot of it ran through Kobe, especially after Shaq left in L.A. Um, and, and so Booker has kind of I think taken that uh, you know next step of okay, this is my team. I'm running the show. We've got some tremendous people to back me up, but he needs to be more than just first and fourth quarter book he's this is my game i mean he's been playing besides this last night's game was a bad game for him and i still think that he could have if we needed to uh turn it around pretty easily yeah what do you uh, think? the word that stands out for me is just like more calculated like everything he's doing is like with a purpose and like double teams that are coming at him are not phasing him he's making the right reads uh quick and just like under control and it looks like the game's just like almost slowed down for him a little bit more um, which, you know, is, is something in the playoffs. I think he probably did a lot of a lot of work on these, you know, getting out of these double teams and like hitting the right angles on, on the high post or hitting cutters or setting up that hockey assist where you're making the pass that leads to the, you know, the pass where someone gets a, a good look. So I think Cam Johnson being in the starting lineup also kind of helps with the spacing on that end too. Um, defenses respect him more than Crowder. And he also, he cuts off the ball and he can move. So I think that's opened up a lot of, easier looks for not only just for Booker, but just the, the entire offense. So um, I think th this starting five has the highest upside and uh, they made the right move to, to demote Jay. And I think you're starting to see it. Uh, it's going to have an impact across the board, but I think Booker specifically, you give him, you know, more room to operate. It's, it's just game over. So you brought up Jay Crowder. So let's take a second to do a sidebar on Jay Crowder. So on Tuesday, during Tuesday night's blowout of the Golden State Warriors, that was nice to see, a blowout of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Tuesday night's blowout, uh, Chris Haynes, Chris Haynes, sideline reporter on TNT, uh, uh, said he had, <laughs> had a talk with Jay Crowder, and Jay Crowder produced a statement that says, I don't know, basically a paraphrasing, uh, that's BS saying that I'm holding out because I want to be a starter. What do you think about that? Translation. Uh, I really want to go somewhere. I want to get traded, but now all these teams think I want to start. No one wants me if I'm demanding to start. So I'm going to feed this report to you, Chris, please tell everyone I would just want to get traded. 
So yeah, at first he was okay with the with the first for three months he was okay with the talk, the rhetoric that he wanted to start because he wanted to go to a contender who would start him. Now no one wants that. And so now he's changing his tune and saying, that's okay if I don't start. Look, man, I don't hold it. Uh, okay. I hold his, his decision against him. That he's not even playing for the team that's guaranteed him $10 million this year. That I hold against him. What I don't hold against him is his desire for security. The dude wanted a contract extension beyond this season. He's 32 going on 33 years old. He wants the P.J. Tucker parachute, right? He wants the P.J. Tucker career where he just gets to sign good contracts through his late 30s. I totally understand the desire for that. What I don't understand is him just sitting out and putting, and now he's blaming the Suns, saying, the Suns are telling me to stay home. Well, I guarantee you James Jones didn't just sit down in June and say, you know what, I don't ever want to see Jay Crowder on this team again. And I don't care if anybody replaces him. I guarantee you James Jones did not say that. I guarantee you Monty Williams did not say that. He did something with his position to make the Suns go, you know what, you're right. Go ahead. Stay away from the team if you're going to be that way. It's the if you're going to be that way. So Jay did this to himself. He's trying to rehab his image a little bit. You know what I'm seeing, though? I'm looking around the league, and I'm seeing a lot of teams that could use a Jay Crowder. And they're finding out in their first, probably after 20 games, they're going to realize, you know what? We're not winning jack shit without another guy who can be in our forward rotation. You know who could really use a Jay Crowder? They don't have any assets for it, though. It's the Brooklyn Nets. You know who else could really use a Jay Crowder? Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, teams that need one more wing in their rotation who can just absorb 30 minutes a night, make a third of his threes, and, um, and you know, the Suns could use him too, for sure. But the Suns have proven that they don't need a malcontent on the team, and it's okay not to have him. Yeah, and the Nets need the a lot more than Jake Crowder. And they need, they need Jesus. That roster Jesus. construction is just horrible. I mean, we're counting down the, the days until KD requests out. Let's talk about our friends at DraftKings. You guys, you got to sign up. If you haven't signed up yet, you really need to. It's so easy to place bets on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So, so easy. If you haven't started or if you use a different Sportsbook app, switch over to DraftKings. This is the greatest app out there. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's it. And in addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. So get going on those parlays. The parlays are the funnest thing. Um, the Suns play the Mavericks on Wednesday night. You can make some great predictions on that. And then they play Portland on Friday. And then they, they've got a really grueling first five game stretch. You guys are going to want to at least. Have some money on these games. I think that's that's really important. All right, so let's get into uh, the call to action here. You've got to pay attention right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get a $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. Yeah, I know, right? KD is going to request out again. He's actually, somebody said verbally, and I haven't looked it up, but somebody said on a podcast, KD leads the league in negative plus minus. Oh, well. I think we should uh, send Crowder to uh, to the Lakers for uh, their two first-round draft picks uh, coming up later to, uh, in the future. I mean, he'd immediately become their top three-point shooter. Uh, what an embarrassment you are, Lakers fans. <laughs> that team, you cannot hit the broadside of a barn from outside. It, that is an embarrassment. And what's hilarious, though, turning embarrassment into a punchline, they don't even have their first-round pick this year. Yes, they could, that is hilarious. They could start over tank the season, sit LeBron, sit Anthony Davis, win 10 games, which they probably would be close to that anyway with those guys. Um, They're 0-5 this year already. And get that number one or number two pick? Well, guess what? The Pelicans are (laughs) licking their chops as payoff for Anthony Davis. Now, that is the ultimate I will sell my soul for a championship move to acquire Anthony Davis because they got themselves a bubble chip. Is it worth what's going where they're going through now to have won the championship? Oh yeah. No, I still would have sold my soul for the chip at this point though, too. But it's different though, too. I think when you're one, if you're the Celtics or the Lakers and the amount of banners you have hanging up, you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that specific one. Uh, if, if, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you don't have any. So would you would you bomb the five to six years after you win a title but guarantee yourself winning a title? Oh, yeah. No, and I think that this franchise, after the terrible decade of uh, awfulness that we went through, yeah, I, I think we I think we would uh, we would do that as well. We'd, we'd make that uh, Malthusian deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would do it for a real title, but for a, a bubble tournament, I don't know about that one. Um, you know, it's. Hey, you know what? If if the Suns had won the bubble tournament, we'd be calling it a real title. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. I mean, <laughs> but look, I, you just have to give Lakers fans crap for that. He's like, they. it's the one year, like, you win a championship like that, you know everyone's going to kind of – it's going to have that asterisk, and that, that's going to stick around for a long time. So it's kind of funny that that's the one that they won to sacrifice, you know, for the next – being miserable pretty much for the next 10 years. So – um, if the Pelicans did win the draft lottery and got uh, Wemba Yama, that would be a terrifying team. So on, on one hand, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want a dynasty. Even Scoot. The West. Yeah, either one. If they get a top two pick, uh, the West is looking like it's going to be going through the Pelicans uh, the next 10 years. So that sucks. But the Lakers fans getting their hearts, hearts ripped out would just be incredible. And uh, Darth Boyd with the joke of the day. I love it. <laughs> I'm going to use this. I'm going to be Jay Crowder for Halloween. My friend's having a party. I won't be there. <laughs> uh, quick correction. I said Malthusian bargain. What I cre- clearly meant was Faustian bargain. That's why you guys tuned in for these morning shows for that uh, philosophical dis- discussion. Oh, wow. Yeah. For a second there, I thought you said Faustian bargain, but we're not going to go down that yeah. way. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So Jay Crowder. Um Doing the Halloween trick where he just doesn't show up—it's a trick. Well, right, I'll, be, I'll be Eric Bledsoe, John. So. Uh, <laughs> the th- the thing with Jay is I I'm curious who is advising him because, uh, like you pointed out, Dave, 
the security aspect of it totally makes sense to me. But he was never that caliber of player that could have made that sort of a demand. Whereas we thought Kevin Durant could have actually said to the Nets, hey, I'm out. You will trade me to my favorite team. Crowder is saying, I'm out and you will trade me and I'm going to go somewhere else. He hasn't you know, said to a specific team or anything. But he's, you know, he's a good role player, but he's never had that kind of influence, I would say, in the association for any reason. So right. uh, I don't know who was like, you know what? Hey, yeah. I mean, what is he making? Ten million dollars? Like, yeah, yeah, you hold you hold out. You're, you're worth so much to so many people. It's like, I mean, you were the, the worst guy in our starting five. Um, you declined your defense, which is what you're supposed to be known for, was not there in the playoffs. His three point shooting is very streaky. Uh, I like Jay. Um I think I think he'd be a good contributor. Um, it's not going to be on this team anymore. And I uh, appreciate his services, uh, you know, helping us get to the, uh, on the title run two years ago. But man, that, that's that's one of those classic deals where you, you you can't take everyone's advice and and uh, and just follow it because sometimes other people will just say that was a really bad idea, Jay. Yeah, uh, no, you've got a team that is on fire right now without you. It says a lot. Exactly. Michael Lockhart, Cold Jim Crowder. Darth Void of YMCAJ, absolutely. And then um, you've got the Kaiko. I won't be there is equal to I don't want to be here from the from the salon days. Eric Bledsoe, to which Darth Voida, who's on a roll this morning. Eric Bledsoe don't want to be in America. He signed with the Shanghai Sharks. <laughs> Didn't he just get arrested too or something? Or I saw a headline oh, pop up. God, I don't know. Like the next day. Um, like in China? No, uh, it was oh. here. Yeah, it was, it was that's like why he's that. in Shanghai because he doesn't want to go to. I don't jail. want to be here in the states. Yeah. He just leaves the country. <laughs> yeah, but no. To Jake's point, yeah, Jay. I like Jay. I have nothing against him. I think he just thinks he's better than he is, and got probably bad advice from someone. And uh, you know, the highlight video is really what kind of did it for me. I was like, all right, come on, dude. Oh. Like, you need a he's a proud a, a reality man. check. Um, and I think anyone he's got, who can type in all caps all the time is a proud man he needs to sit down make a spicy hot salsa bring it back to the team say it's free for life to his teammates and coaches Start and just come back things. and we'll forgive him slowly but we'll we'll, we'll figure out a role for him to come off the bench and be a, a part of a winning franchise and then he can probably still be traded but wouldn't you rather to try and get yourself traded show off that highlight reel in real time uh on a team that is winning successfully increasing your value at the same time if anything, I think the Suns have just demonstrated that now they can hold out for an even better deal as injuries mount and other teams realize what pieces will and won't work in their uh, rotations. And they're going to sit there and say, well, shoot, we thought we could get Jay for something small, but now the Suns are winning and they don't, he's not like a locker room distraction because he's not even with the team. So they can say, you know what? No, you want him. You got to really pay up to come get him now. Yep. So it's, yeah, it's the a, Suns are the, yeah. the price is going up for the Suns to trade Jay. They'd rather just let him sit out. I totally agree. Now, will that price end up with something of true value for the Suns? That's still debatable. He's still just a role player. And trading one role player, trading two role players. I mean, really, what was our big package over the summer? Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. They've combined for two minutes of play this year for a 401. Four, four and one Suns team. So I think that package value has gone down a bit, um, but there will be more teams. Teams still could use 
Jay Crowder and Darius Arch. So we'll see what happens, but I, I get it with the waiting game. You don't need to have made the trade to win the regular season. The Suns are proving that. You well, need and, to make and, the trade to set up for the playoffs, which is yeah. still 80 games away. What, what's the combined salaries? About 19 million, yeah. just under 20, I think. Yeah. That's a sizable uh, right. trade chip. Uh, that's a Jordan still guys Clarkson together. one year. That's a Boyan Bogdanovich one year. That's that's a good supporting. That's a Lori Marketing if the Jazz keep winning too much. I mean, there is value you can get for teams that want to, to have two expiring contracts and you can throw in a draft pick or two and get someone. Yes. So the Suns are doing the right thing we're seeing. It's not the on-court product is not suffering, which was a very good prediction on James Jones's part um, that this team is going to win a lot of regular season games. What you're doing is you need to set up for the playoffs which is 80 games from now. The reason I say 80, even though they've played five, is they'll have a 2-0 lead in their first round playoff series. It's after that that it becomes dicey that you need the better play. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So um, we digressed from Book to Jay. I want to give you my thoughts on Devin Booker on his MVP run. What, what I like to see is the Devin Booker right before Chris Paul showed up. His last year without a Ricky Rubio and then the first year with a Ricky Rubio. If you guys remember, Devin Booker actually did regularly drive into the into traffic to get layups and draw fouls. If you remember that, Devin Booker, and he passed a lot. That Devin Booker um, was a six assists a game, seven free throws a game guy. And then when Chris Paul came in, he became the true shooting guard for a couple of years where he still had the same 26 points a game, 25 points a game, but his assists went down into the fours range from the sixes range, right? So he got 6.8 and 6.5 assists his last two seasons um, before Chris Paul showed up. And he had, um, I'm looking it up right here, 7.1 and 7.3 free throws a game. Then those went down to the four range and the six range or five range. Uh, because he was being more of a catch-and-shooter. And if you guys remember last year, Devin Booker led the league in points per touch. Yes, this is this is what you think it is. Dang, stop me. Booker led the league in points per touch last year. You know why? Because he was only 88th in touches a game. All NBA first team. 88th in the league in touches per game. But when he did get the ball, he finished really well. So I think uh, Devin Booker now is transitioning back into more of an on-ball guy, but it's not the first time in his career. He's just combining that MVP-level play with getting to the hoop, drawing fouls, and, uh, and, and making passes to set his team up. So I do think he's going to be in the MVP conversation all year, not just toward the end of the year this time. He's not going to win over Giannis. I'm not, I'm not being silly. He's not going to win over – Jokic is not going to win another MVP. But you know who will maybe is Giannis. Uh, or, you know what, I actually think a Jason Tatum would get it over Devin Booker simply because of the national media, East Coast bias, all that stuff. Um, I don't think Jason Tatum's a better player, but I think he's probably got a better chance to win. Same reason Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year 
over Mikael Bridges. But Booker will be top five in the MVP conversation all year because he's really brought the best of pre-Chris Paul Booker and with Chris Paul Booker into one player this year, and it's so fun to watch. And you know what's really interesting about this season, specifically for Book, is Chris Paul's kind of taken a step back so far, and if that continues, like CP kind of held back a lot of those conversations early on because is it Book's team, is it Chris's team? That that was like a narrative that was built through the media for a while when clearly last season it was Book's team. But now that Booker is the clear alpha on the team, it feels like, I think that'll help his MVP case a lot early on, which he didn't have that early last season. And, you know, the team got off to that slow start. And, uh, you know, I've just been thinking about, like, what it's going to take for him to win an MVP. And I think, you know, being the clear number one on on the best team, which he was last year, got him fourth. So if he can start to build that early um, and carry that momentum over and play like a better version of himself on both ends, like I think – he has a legit chance to finish in the top three. Uh, Giannis, the numbers he's putting up already are just insane, like you mentioned. So it's going to be tough to top that. But I think uh, there's definitely – he's going to have a little bit of an easier path, I feel like, this year than he did last year just due to the unfortunate media narratives that were were built, you know, kind of hyping up CP last year. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't have to compete with CP for those MVP votes. That's a very good point. In the last two years, he's had to worry about that. Uh, CP3 is not going to be in your MVP conversation again this year. He's probably not going to be an all-star, um, but definitely. So De- Booker doesn't have to compete. That's that's true. But I still worry. Even John Morant's going to get more MVP votes ultimately. Uh, Jake, do you have any thoughts on MVP Booker? I, well, just that I love watching him play. Um, I, you know, the uh, uh, Suns Jam guys, I mean, uh, you know, they, they always ask for their jam star of the game after every game. And with the exception of last night, it's been Booker for me the entire mm-hmm. way through. I mean, it, it, this is I, – I think there was a lot of coming into the season. We knew Booker was good. We hoped he improved a little over the offseason, put on 10 pounds of muscle, you know, worked on that three-point shot, you know, all the little things you always hope for and want to read about. But he has elevated his game. Leadership, shooting splits, his defense is still there. He doesn't. He's playing uh, heavy minutes in some games too. Um, and uh, I think uh, Voida threw down the shooting splits over forty percent from three. Oh, that is prime time Booker, and it's so amazing to see because I've noticed kind of two things um, with Jock and Da, especially, is that yeah, they can both uh, shoot the three. Uh, thankfully. Uh, I wish Jack probably wouldn't do it as much, and I wish Aiden might try yeah. another Jack shot. Jack can I shoot the three. Yeah, Jack can shoot the three. make him yet. I, I feel like Aiden could make it more, um, and maybe he gets one more attempt. But have you guys noticed that as – I felt like it was kind of CP3 and Booker driving, doing mid-range game stuff a lot, especially towards the end of last season and in the playoffs – they're getting the ball inside, but not just to Aiden, into Jock too, which who I thought was going to play that Frank Kaminsky role of top of the key, shoot a three, yeah. otherwise you pass it off, and that's all you do on offense. You don't really get a chance to post up. Jock is posting players up. Aiden is driving and backing down people and then taking in the entry pass, and then it's just a little hook or a, a, a jumper. Sometimes I st- he's really got to stop with that fadeaway jumper. It's not necessary. Just go through him, get the foul, get get some more free throws. But uh, seeing that, more teams will collapse. And that's why I'm not worried about players like Cam Johnson yet. I mean, I want him to stay on the floor more. But uh, some people say, oh, you know, his stats aren't there yet. You mean you want him to stay in the lineup more? 
Well, that too. Yes. You don't but, want uh, him on the floor more. No, not not on the floor. Yeah, like, uh, gosh, yesterday I, I, I I've never seen so many people get hit in the face or their legs taken out from under them as I had in last night's game. But uh, Booker shooting a higher percentage three. Uh, Paul can hit him. We saw him in the Warriors game, although his, his shooting has looked rough otherwise besides the Warriors game. But Cam Johnson is going to heat up as soon as defenses go. We can't keep allowing Jock Landell and D.A. to just massacre us in the post. So they'll start to collapse. Cam Johnson open threes, Booker open threes, and and it's going to be a pick your poison that the is, whole time. That's a really good point. That's really nice. One thing that uh, DeAndre Ayton does for the Suns when he's the reason DeAndre Ayton is such a difference maker as the starting center for the Suns getting the most minutes. This is why he plays so many minutes and the rest of the guys just don't is because he sucks in that defense. He's been doing it since he was a rookie. He forces the defense to try to stop that, that on the pick and roll to defend. That's what opened up Booker and Chris Paul and all that Suns are mid range mavens because DA sucks in the defense. If Jock Landale, can also do that from the second unit that just keeps it going all day long um Jonas Valanciunas I was worried in the second half of the Friday night game when Aiden went down was Jonas was just going to eat the Suns alive he did it in the playoffs last year even with Aiden in there he just keeps his hands as high as possible he's so big so tall he can dunk without leaving the ground you know leaving the it looked like he could anyway um that's the guy I thought he was going to dominate but what the Suns did is they um, they forced him, you know, they forced him to actually play defense in the post and get him switched off of things, and they they made him less of a factor. He did not make that much of a difference, Valanciunas, because Landale was able to play big, and then offensively they had to respect both Landale and Bismack, although they they didn't respect them as much as they would have Da because those guys got lob dunks. I mean, how many lob dunks did did Landale and Biz? get last night yeah no, they, they would not have been allowed to get those putting Jonas in the pick and roll was a great great mm-hmm. call by monty they just they attacked that over and over and him and alvarado are the, your two primary defenders just go at that every single time and you're going to get a mismatch somewhere what you didn't get was a lot of help defense underneath after getting those two in the pick and roll like the pelicans provided in the playoffs last year because they knew da was going to die herb jones is gone if they had hurt, it might've been a different story. That guy's it might've been a different story. They were missing some people, but it's some of it is scheme. And some of it's probably just early season. They didn't have the depth of the defensive schemes going, but all I'm saying is if Jock Landale shows continues to show his ability to score around the rim, he's going to get more defensive attention down there, which opens it up for everybody else. And that means I agree with Jake that it really, really helps that he can play under the basket like that. Well, you know me, I like a I like a big guy that can put his back to the basket and score up close, and uh, it's something that the oh, modern league has been moving away a little bit from. Who's, who's still a free agent out there? Let me think. Well, who hasn't been? Are you talking about anybody? future NBA Hall of Famer Dwight Howard, or you know somebody else that could play equally as well, Mr. Whiteside? Yeah, Howard. yeah, both. <laughs> Time to log play them together, Twin Towers, T Wolf style, coming off the bench. Man. I don't remember if I actually said it on a pod, but I predicted this Timberwolves confusion destruction. They're doing okay. What are you talking about confusion destruction? They're awful. They, I, I almost said they beat the Lakers, but who hasn't? But right. You can't say beat the Lakers as a, as a feather in anyone's cap. Um, no, no. That's just tough because Anthony Davis has nowhere to drive. Now 
You even see Carl Towns has nowhere to drive because Rudy's already there. It's just it's it's tough for them. It's going to be tough for them all season. They'll probably win 45, 50 games, but they'll go out in the first round. That's just the way it is. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to worry about Minnesota too much. I'm starting to feel that right. itch that you're trying to scratch, Dave, about big men playing together. Two bigs? No, no, let's get off the. Let's not, let's focus <laughs> Who put those razor things. blades in your coffee again, Dave? <laughs> yeah, they they are four and two. Things, so. Thank you. Okay, yes. But what? They do have some, they have some, I don't view them as what, like who they be, Who have they beaten? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they'd be beating the Lakers. Yeah. But, yeah, they no, they have some issues, though, for sure. In the playoffs, they're going to be exposed. That's that's all that matters. But I do think you got to give them a little more credit than saying they're awful, Dave. <laughs> they're 4-2. <and> <laughs> they're awful. Let's, let's see. Okay, they beat the Lakers. Okay, Spurs. And then they lost to the Spurs. And then they beat the Thunder. They oh, lost Lord. to the Jazz. You're going to take it back yet? Okay, I take it back. Take it back? (laughs) I'm taking it back. Their opponents this year. I want that schedule. Then the Thunder, the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Lakers, and they play the Spurs next. Let's see on Tuesday how effective they are because they play the Suns on Tuesday night. That's their first difficult game of the season. Ooh, if we don't have Aiden, uh, that could be an interesting game to watch. We might see a little Dario. We're going to see some jock itch, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, all right, so let's see. What else do we want to talk about this current team? What else has stood out to you guys? Any other comments on what stood out to you? Um, Cameron Johnson, can you please stop going down in a pile of bodies? This is not football. It seems like he's getting hurt every freaking time. Do you guys remember uh, late career Grant Hill on the Suns, how often that dude was on the deck? That, that's right. what it reminds me of. Except that dude was like uh, a dinosaur by then. So it was even more scary every time he fell. This time it's, you know, Cam, I don't know. I don't, it seems like he has his body has like a magnet to the ground at this point. So he's got to stop. It's uh, I always got nervous because I still remember when the Suns drafted him. And uh, if you were a fan like me, uh, when they announced that they were drafting Cam Johnson, you said, who? Um, and then the earliest report came out said, oh, this guy that's getting surgery on his hips. And you're like, how old is he? And, uh, and but yeah, I mean, so every time I see him go down and he kind of reaches for something, I'm like, there goes his hips. There's There goes his hips. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> well, he's what he's getting we a lot of like deep thigh bruises and stuff like that. Like I haven't seen so many. There, I don't, he's he's going to take over that Shaquille O'Neal like icy hot commercial ad if he keeps this up. I mean, it's going to be a nightly regimen for that guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he needs to work with his twin a little bit more. Mikhail flails a little bit on defense, oh, but he gets blocked. He doesn't go twins, down. There was a play Mikhail described. If you guys remember, the Suns got like a four on one, four on two breakaway with all of like Mikhail, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Cam Johnson trailing diving down the middle and Mikel um, didn't pass to either Booker or Chris Paul. He instead waited and hesitated a little bit until Cam Johnson flashed into the picture and then caught the ball and drove for the dunk. And um, Mikel was asked about that later. He's like, yeah, man, those guys, they really wanted the pass, but I had to look for my twin. I had to look out of the corner of my eye for my twin and wait for him to catch up. And then he just flew past. It was great. <laughs> so those guys are back to having fun. Uh, there was comments that the Suns weren't having fun this year. They weren't having as much fun. Well, you know what? Winning creates fun. 
and they're having a lot of fun now. They're they're they love each other. Mikel also said that bench unit is really tight. They're really close together. They all they want to do is hustle for each other. Nobody cares about who takes the shot. It's really really fun. Bismack Biombo says the same thing, and he's hardly played. I mean, he got a lot of minutes Friday night, but he's hardly played. These guys are all on each uh, all on each other's. They got each other's back, and it's really fun at this point to watch because they're creating. They're creating these wins, and then they're celebrating them. Well, and I, I think what's interesting about that is when I think of some of the the great players uh, like a Jordan and Kobe, for example, the reputations um, of them about being teammates were never warm and cuddly. They'll bring you under their arm. It was just like, oh, no, he goes and he sits in the corner and thinks about how he's going to drop another 30 on you, or he, if you're Jordan, he punches you like a Draymond Green um, might uh, punch out a teammate, but uh you know and you so, always have a puncher's chance with Draymond exactly yeah. uh but so you know when I when I kind of read you know and I'm no I'm not an expert right but uh you know you you, you hear the reputation about CP3 he can get on guys almost too much sometimes and Booker seems like he'd be a friendly guy with his teammates but you know uh maybe like you don't see the same kind of camaraderie as you see with like a Mikhail um, and that, that, uh, and some of the you know, like campaign. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the kind of glue that keeps a lot of those guys together because I was worried a little bit about, uh, Deandre Ayton, for example. Um, you know, but it, when you work with it, you know, and we, we all work with uh, people that are like this, like a Mikhail Bridges type person that you can come back from, you know, a meeting and, and just be really frustrated at work. And then there's that Mikhail Bridges guy that walks in and goes, Hey man, what's up? You want to go out for beers after work? It's going to be a good time. And you're like, Mikhail. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Like there's, he's that guy that like picks you back up and lets you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, Hey, you know what? It's going to be fine. And you, you see that with campaign. You still kind of see that as they're kind of dancing, warming up. Cam Johnson likes to get in on it. And even, yeah, Mr. Stoic Bismack uh, Biombo, who looks like he would hate you if he just stared across uh, the court from you. But then all of a sudden he'll like watch those guys and he'll start cracking a smile and you're like, ah, busy's having fun. (laughs) Hey man, uh, biz, biz is the town elder. Yeah. He's like, he's cool. He's always ready. But man, anytime he actually speaks, he's like, he talks like a philosopher. You know, he's giving, he's giving advice, even if he's just saying hello to you. Um, he did some media last night and, and, you know, we asked him, how can you be like from going from nothing to 30 minutes? You know, how can you have so much energy? And he's just like, look, you just got to be ready. You got to be ready all the time. And, and, you know, I found out I, I can't be stressed about whether I'm playing or not. Because he's gone, he's like, I've gone through a lot. He lost his father a year ago. He took half the season off just to mourn his father. And then he came back to play. He's, he's like, I came back to this team because I like this team. I feel like we got a chance to win a championship. And I don't care if I go 30 minutes one game and no minutes the next. It's just about being with these guys and feeling good. And, and uh, he just, he loves it. Um, so I, I, he's, he's a great guy to have to join the team. And I, I think one thing James Jones does a really good job of that we, we don't see, so we can't give them enough credit, is the personalities of the guys who are on the team. Somebody mentioned early in the in the chat that we should pick up that Josh Primo who just got released by the San Antonio Spurs. Talent-wise, sure. But if he's dealing with something that got him released from the Spurs after they guaranteed a $4 million fourth-year, third-year contract to him, maybe he needs to figure out his issues before he joins the Suns because you don't want somebody like that messing up the team chemistry there's always good chemistry on this team and that probably also explains why the sun said jay it's okay to stay home well and 
I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you guys think that there's something else going on there, right? I mean, teams don't let um, interesting prospects just just walk away and say, hey, we'll pay you for the next two years, $4 million. That, I mean, Ben Simmons, obviously more talented, but, you know, mental health problems, that's okay. Go, 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 you know, work with the team doctors, go work with your own doctor, get your head right. Um, but, you know, we'll be here when you come back. They don't release you. And so I'm wondering if there's something else that's going to come yeah, out. Yeah, I think it's not just this quiet. You're, you're exactly right, Jake. Thank you. The the league, we don't know the details behind Josh Primo's release, but there had to be something egregious that made it un, not unsafe, because I don't want to make it sound like he's dangerous, but but uncomfortable for the team to live through right now. Somebody with men, you deal with their mental health issues. Kevin Love has talked about it for years. He's got, you know, depression issues and stuff. He's totally okay with it. And his team keeps keeps him, you know, you don't you don't let somebody go just because. But if that turns into some kind of violence, that turns into some kind of discomfort, distrust, that's when you let the guy go. And as the Spurs said, we hope it's better for him and for us in the long run. And if he figures stuff out, awesome. But if he doesn't, obviously he did something that was egregious and you don't bring them onto your team immediately. You just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to shout out because it did actually make me laugh pretty good. Uh, when Darth said that he's the McHill Bridges at his work, uh, Fabio said he's the Jay Crowder at his work. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, hey, let's talk about uh, Sun's ownership. So we haven't heard anything specifically other than a little rumor here, a little rumor there on who might be bidding, who might be putting together a bid. Well, we have heard, I've heard a couple of things not personally, only from trusted um, like public sources that anybody could see. I've heard, A, that, the, that uh, Sarver might actually, the reason the Suns might get the highest valuation ever for an NBA team in the $4 billion range is that Sarver actually has the right to sell his and only, up, only 40% of the Suns. So what that means, you got to wrap your head around, um, a, a potential owner would not have to actually bid a whole four million on a four four billion on a four billion dollar valuation. All they have to bid is Sarver's portion and the Dial Corp portion, which is another five percent, so forty percent of the Suns. They'd only have to bid up to one and a half two million dollars of their own money, and the rest of the Suns owners just stay in place. So oh, it's, it's possible deep. that's how the valuation will be that I'm high. In. Yeah, exactly. What's that? Go fund me. Start it right now. Let's is do that, it. I, I don't realize it's that cheap. So I think I think I'm in. I'm back in. Well, I mean, one and a half to two billion is a lot cheaper than four, right? So I mean, obviously it still requires billionaires, but um, the reason that's just usually all the all the minority owners sign something in their contract saying that they'll go up. They you know if they're if the majority controlling owner sells his shares or her shares, then everyone else sells automatically too and the whole team is sold as a as a complete package like the clippers although they only had the one owner donald sterling but you've got the timberwolves and other sale sales like that the suns are one of the few if only where the minority owners minority partners do not have that automatic tag along it's called a tag along clause where if the controlling person sells their shares they all go along, and that's a big valuation. So it could be that Sarver only sells his and the Dial Corps 
uh, portion, which is 40%, which then somebody's going to bid a million and a half, two bi a billion and a half, two billion for that. That's how the valuation is going to go into the four to five, but it won't actually necessarily be that much cash actually transacting. Still, new controlling owner. So that even makes it so that you could have one controlling owner or whatever. Um, there are rumors that um, there aren't any rumors of any big dollar owners yet, but there's a bunch of people who want to grab coattails, aren't there? Charles Barkley said, hey, if Obama's part of it, I'll be part of it. Someone mentioning, Bill Simmons mentioning that Barack Obama is thinking about putting a couple of dollars into this thing uh, for the Phoenix Suns. He's not a billionaire, but he might buy in as a minority minority owner. Um, what do you guys think of the potential for like Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, um, Barack Obama being minority partners for the Suns in the next iteration? You want to go first, Zona? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I I don't really care about like who specifically buys. Like, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, this name is like flashy, like great. Like, I, I'm just I just want someone that's going to be invested in the Suns and making them better, spending money. So, uh, if that's one of them, then by all means, like, go for it. I think uh, just the the majority owner, like, I think will whoever it is will probably try to bring on like some familiar face like that or two, just former player, uh, whether it's like Obama or someone that they can like use to like start to create that kind of uh, image, I guess, to help promote the team and just like get fans excited. So I think that's something we could see paired along with whatever purchase is made. But, um, but yeah, I don't really have any strong opinions on that either way. I think it's, you know, what I, I just want whoever buys, whoever buys the team, just please put uh Marion and Sotomayor in the, the ring of honor, get that over with. That's, that's be the first. first two moves that and making these, these throwback uh, sunburst jerseys permanent. Yes. Those three moves. Boom. Yeah. Done. <laughs> no, I, I think the only thing I'm concerned about with is, is how many uh, kind of celebrities and former uh, sports legends and uh, um, you know, kind of folks we get into the ownership group because uh, then I'd worry it could become a little bit of a, you know, circus if Shaq and Chuck and Obama and somebody else, uh, you know, all own it. And, and, you know, you see Shaq and Chuck like racing each other and, and wrestling around on like NBA on TNT or something like that. And they're like, the Suns owners are fighting. Um, you know, I, I, uh, call me a man of simple taste, just, um, uh, bring in a billionaire who just really thinks that it's a cool thing to own and who wants to invest in uh, the area, the team, the legacy. And, uh, and then you, you can still have Larry Fitzgerald buy in kind of like he right. already is. And, and some of those guys, yeah, exactly. and they get to do Larry's the, like, the already a minority yeah. owner that won't tag right. along. So he'll actually stay a minority owner. Mm -hmm. uh, you add in these other guys, look, man, how much actual influence has Grant Hill had on the Atlanta Hawks? He's a minority owner of the Hawks. How much actual influence well, has Dwayne yeah. Wade had on the Utah Jazz? Maybe a little bit, but probably not like dominating the headlines. What it can get you is a little bit more positive press because mm -hmm. those guys are respected and people around them are going to want to respect what they're associated with. So that can get you more positive press. Charles Barkley on TNT. We might actually get more positive Suns coverage on TNT. I mean, there's, there's a benefit there. But Barkley's funny. He's like, he doesn't want to give some of his hard-earned money just to put his name, slap his name on on a, a limited partnership that has twenty names on it. 
But if Obama bought in, maybe he would. So I, I think a lot of this is just kind of tagalongs. But if Shaq and Charles are part owners of the Suns, you won't hear you'll hear them being predicted for championships on TNT. That's your best value out of the whole thing. I will say I wouldn't be wrong. Are we sure that's a good thing? <laughs> What's that? So with how often they're wrong, are we sure that's a good thing? No, no, just the just the press. No, I know. And then I know. that gets I know, I know more awards saying. and all that. It doesn't mean the Suns will win anymore. The, the Chuck's guarantees are just it feels like they always backfire. So Well, we might stop hearing Shaq saying the Lakers are gonna make the playoffs and be a be a contender every time they lose a game. He might actually get off that nut and, and move over to, you know, predicting Suns success. The big Shaq does no, I, I would get a kick out of if Shaq was involved, just the amount of his ads that would be plastered around the arena, just like as you're getting ready to leave the arena, it'd be like, do you have the general's car insurance? When you go into the bathroom, it's like, oh, do you use gold bond uh, powder in there? And, you know, you, you step back out and it's, you the know, general hot, will you know? be a sponsor. <laughs> it would just be, I feel like everything everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike B asking about why not have a bunch of former Suns players own the team? Yeah, they don't all have money. Um, so I don't know how much money KJ or Thunder Dan have or anything like that. I personally don't want to be associated with KJ in an ownership group, but that's just a personal opinion. Um, he's got a lot of stuff he's done off court that isn't as he, he as, was, uh, as as well regarded as his on court stuff. He was courtside for the Warriors game, I think. Uh, he was. He was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh. Throwback legend. night, sunburst yeah. night. That was back when his jerseys were... He was in those jerseys. All right, uh, let's close this out. We got um, we're an hour ten in. The coming next five games, they're home versus Houston, home versus the Wolves, who we already talked about, and then a a, a two parter Portland and Portland both at home next weekend, and then at Philly. Philly just finally won a game or won a convincing game the other night. What do you think the Suns are going to do in these next five games? Let's just do an early prediction. Zona, what do you think? So I think it's going to be another four-in-one stretch. Uh, I think their loss is going to come to the Timberwolves, surprisingly enough. Um, That's going to be that weird game they drop. And then Philly is going to be a tough one, but they always seem to step their game up, especially Book against that team. Uh, And that's on the road, and he he cooks them in Philly. So that's a game I'm looking forward to a lot. Houston's just a young team that I think they should, you know, they might put up a fight and try to, play up to the competition and scare them a little bit, but fourth quarter minutes, Suns will close it out. Uh, Portland games without Dame, they should take care of. So not too worried about that, but I think one of the losses, if, if they do go four and one, it's the, the loss is either going to be at Philly or, or against Minnesota. So uh, that's, that's my take. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think what's good about the team too, is that so far we've been beating very quality teams, teams that a lot of people thought were going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be in deep playoff run type stuff. So uh, I think uh, four and one as well. I, I don't think we're going to overlook, you know, the Houston games, for example. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it would be two Wolves or Sixers. I think we beat the Sixers. Um, uh, so I would, yeah, I'm going to join Zona and say it's a uh, T Wolves, you know, the two bigs, uh, Dave, it's the modern NBA. You know, you got to be able to go up against two bigs. Modern. Uh, you know, the nineties are back. They're here to stay sunburst jerseys. Oh. Let's see it. Let's hear it. Darth predict Darth Voida predicts three one and one just to get me to say it. I think out loud, which is ties are impossible in the NBA. Whatever, dude. 
<laughs> so we got you to say it. You did get me to say it. Uh, we got a bunch of four and one predictions, a five and zero, oh, a three and two. I'm going to predict five and zero. Oh. I, I think the Suns are just in that roll mode already. They're already in the rolling mode unless they get even a bigger injury. But they've proven they can absorb not having Da um, uh, when you know when they've got a really deep center crew. Um, and I'm just not going to be the bad karma guy and predict any other injuries. So I'm going to assume everybody's fine and the Suns are going to go five and zero in this next five games, um, four and one go bear madness. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think, uh, definitely Suns will be doing pretty well. And the Blazers, even if they get Dame back, it took 41 points and being at home for Portland to beat the Suns in overtime by two when Jock Landale missed a tying layup that could have put it to second overtime. So I think, I think the Suns are going to be all right. Um, okay. Hottest take so far around the league, non Phoenix Suns edition. What's your hottest take so far? Non Phoenix Suns edition. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? The fact that I was staring off into space and couldn't think of something that you were like, absolutely. I want to put uh, you on the spot. <laughs> the um, hottest take uh, that the, I mean, it's not a hot take. I want to say something awful about the Nets. Um, but I'm going to say instead, let's go with the hottest take is going to be that the uh, Miami Heat are going to have a meltdown and uh, as they're kind Ooh. of already doing, and they're going to finish um, in the – I'll still have them in the playoffs, but maybe a seventh or eighth seed, bottom of the you playoffs. you suggesting part. maybe Tyler Hero's not a max player? Oh, I'm suggesting that Tyler and Bam and paying Kyle Lowry all that money and, uh, you know, hey, if they want Jay Crowder, uh, we, we maybe we can make a deal and just take whatever little uh, usefulness that they still have uh, from them. But uh, the Heat, uh, it's – I'd be frustrated if I was a Heat fan. They had a good thing going, and I don't know what happened to them, but it's not working right now. Uh, Keiko says KD will be asked to be traded. Big Warthog, Lakers will start 0-10. Oh, my God. The Pelicans fans would just never sleep again. Jazz are good is a, a comment, Ted Lubin. I think the Jazz are going to come back down to earth. They really don't have difference makers on that team. But I've been very impressed with how hard they're playing. Very happy with them. Good for them. And it also means they're going to be making more trades because there's no way Danny Ainge wants to lose his chances at Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson just because these dudes he thought he was picking off the trash heap are playing well. So that just means more guys available for teams like the Suns who want to who want to power up. Uh, Lori predicts Jay goes nowhere. All right, before I give more of these predictions, um, Zona, what's your hot take around the league? So I don't know if this is necessarily hot because this is how I felt before the season and there are some people that disagreed with it, but I think the Cavs are a legit title contender and they've only reaffirmed that. I think without Garland, they've been playing just as well. I just had a, an overtime win over the, the Celtics uh, last night with Levert and Mitchell both scoring 41. Uh, that's that's just a dangerous team. And I think that it would not shock me at all if they won the East. And um, the Clippers, on the other hand, I see a lot of people overreacting to their slow start. I think they'll be just fine. Uh, you know, they're two and three right now. Lost to the Thunder a couple of times, which is a little little troublesome there but uh, i think they're just a team trying to figure it out and, once and they, they lost to the crime, bad vibe sons i mean come on yeah exactly so they're they're screwed but no i'm kidding uh they're they'll be fine they're 
I don't know. Every every season, there's a team that starts a little slow, and then they'll, they end up just fine, uh, as we saw with the Suns last year. I think I don't think it'll be to that extent with the Clippers, but they're, they'll probably end up in the the top four, top five in the in the standings when it's all said and done. Uh, yeah, my big my big surprise and and my hot take is I've already said a few of them like Minnesota isn't as good as people thought they would be. I couldn't understand why so many people are happy with them. My hot take is I think the New Orleans Pelicans um, are fighting for home court advantage this year. That's my hot take. They look really good. They Friday night they all, they still really were competitive against the Suns in that same group almost because they were missing Dyson Daniels, a rookie. But basically that same group beat Luka's Mavericks on Wednesday or Tuesday. So um, without, you know, that same group without Brandon Ingram, without Zion Williamson, although they did have Herb Jones in that game. So um, they're competitive. They're going to stay competitive all year. I think um, I, the Willie Green has the Pelicans in a really good spot. Uh, that's my my other hot take. Other Other than that, the West is going to write itself pretty quickly. I think Portland, um, Utah, the Spurs, they're all either 5-1 and one or 4-2. and two. I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. Do you think uh, Christian Wood will continue to be uh, playing at an all-star level with the Mavs? Um, uh, here's my prediction on Christian Wood. <laughs> no on the all-star game, by the way. Um, he'll be a top three finisher for sixth man of the year. But the more time goes, the less Jason Kidd is going to try to play him in the final five minutes of close games. Because that dude is a sieve, and he loses all of his, his, his aggression in those last five minutes. He was terrible when they lost to the Pelicans the other night. Um, so, no, and I think Christian Wood, Jason Kidd found a great role for Christian Wood. He's going to be a threat all year long. He's kind of like the 6'10 version of Jordan Clarkson. That's my take. That's fair. Um, all right, uh, folks, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. This has been the Sun Solar Panel. Do me a favor, before you leave right now, you're on the YouTube channel. If you're here with us live, hit that thumbs up button. If you're watching the YouTube show later on, hit that thumbs up button, please. It helps the algorithms and, and gets the gets the show in front of other people that uh, might have missed it live. So really, get that thumbs up. And if you're listening on the audio version of this, Please leave us a five-star review. Leave us a review of some kind. I think um, on some of those apps, you can leave uh, ratings as well. So uh, definitely Spotify is one of them. Give us a rating. Hopefully it's five stars. If you're still here listening right now, it better be, or you shouldn't have been here. Um, and and uh, do us those solids, because we don't ask you for money. We give all this stuff for you, to you guys for free every single week. So give back a little bit. We really appreciate you. Thank you. For Zona Hoops, for Fallen Founder, for Dave King, the Solar Panel loves y'all, and we'll see you again next week. Peace.